The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Squawk Box. So we've got to come back for the Nasdaq. Tech stocks break the selling trend, closing higher as cyclicals lag, while futures point to a lower open in the U.S., and here in Europe. Shares in Chinese e-commerce giant JD.com rally, however, making up most of their losses over regulation concerns in China. As the CEO tells CNBC exclusively, domestic retail demand is huge. So far, we have linked up with over two and a half million stores, including our own stores. In three years, our projection is to have a network linking up to five million stores. President-elect Joe Biden calls the leaders of Japan, Australia and South Korea to discuss bilateral ties as he makes the most significant transition team appointment, naming Ron Klain his chief of staff. Glass, the CEO of Occidental Petroleum, telling CNBC the oil and gas industry must brace itself for the impact of the new administration in the White House, but says... She's not as nervous as some about Joe Biden's energy policies. No matter who's in the White House, no matter which um, uh, party controls the Senate and the House, it's really uh, imperative for us as an industry to collaborate with them, with the regulators. So let's kick off the program this morning, taking a look at some numbers. Uh, the German uh, um, industrial company Siemens uh, has reported. Uh, so we've got a better than expected profit at the industrial business. Uh, the um, group giving us uh, an EBITDA of 2.64 billion euros for the three months to the end of September. Uh, the market was looking for 1.9, so that's a very healthy beat. Uh, group revenue, 15.31 billion euros. Uh, the market was looking for 15.5 billion, so that's a slight miss. Um, the uh, 15.56 billion euro of orders, though, better than expected, but both figures lower than a year earlier as demand impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Joe Kayser describing the performance as a strong finish to a remarkable year. There is some caution, though, in the Outlook. Uh, the group says uh, it expects a moderate increase in net income in 2021 from the 4.2 billion euros posted in 2020 as the world economy recovers here. And I think what's notable in the uh, numbers is the clarity we're getting around Chinese demand and the pickup in Chinese activity. Um, the group um, has a strong position in the Chinese market, as we know. They're in businesses from software to uh, train manufacturing and uh, all areas of engineering. Uh, Siemens says it expects negative currency effects will strongly burden both nominal growth rates in volume and adjusted EBITDA for the industrial business in fiscal 2021. It's been a feature, I think, of some of the earnings that we've seen out of European companies that they are starting to report some impact from that firmer euro against the dollar and other currencies. 
I just want to pick up on the dividend as well. For me, what's been different about this quarter has been the push by the C-suite to report that payout to shareholders to clarify that it is coming. And, and you can see in this announcement today that uh, 2020 dividend of 350 euros. So there is a, a something there on the line for shareholders enduring a, a very difficult 2020. Uh, the other point I think you make about demand, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if you look at the share price performance this year, it's really gotten going uh, late October, really into this month, as we've got that vaccine news and the improvement around some of the big industrial stocks away from technology. So this has been a stock that's very much had a play on the improving wins around hopeful vaccines being rolled out in 2021. Yeah, I I think um, all terrific points. I love the uh, tagline on these earnings as well. Reliable performance in remarkable times. That nicely sums up, I think, what we've experienced over recent months. Um, Annetta had the opportunity to sit down with Joe Kaiser. This, of course, is Joe's uh, last set of numbers. He will be exiting stage left. But important to hear what he has to say about how the business has weathered the COVID storm so far. So let's have a listen in. Obviously, we are very satisfied with the fourth quarter Results, uh, I mean, orders are up uh, 2% on a comparable base. We must not forget that the currency impact has been significant in the fourth quarter, mostly due to the US-dollar-euro uh, relations. So if you really look at the comparable numbers, I believe, you know, being up 2% on orders uh, year over year post, uh, pre-COVID is not that bad of a thing. But obviously, I'm very satisfied with the results. Uh, our operating income is up 10% uh, to 2.6 billion in the fourth quarter. Um, net income is up 26% um, uh, for the fourth quarter. So those are numbers uh, in COVID times, which I believe the team deserves the utmost respect. And what I really like the most, I have to say, is that our free cash flow for the year is 6.4 billion euro, up 10% from, from 2019. So we haven't had such a great free cash flow for 10 years. So I think all in all, we can be very satisfied, but we'll see what the market thinks. Um, How much uh, concerned are you about the second wave of uh, COVID hitting Europe and also other uh, big countries? And how much will that impact your business going forward? Well, I need to see that's uh, probably the the really big elephant in the room, so to speak, because um, um, we've gone through the first wave, I believe, reasonably well. And uh, we were able to, to manage the supply chain as much as we could from both sides, the supplier side as well as the customer uh, uh, end. Uh, now in the second wave, we just need to go see uh, because, you know, we have global value chains and, uh, and it doesn't help us a lot if, for example, Germany, you know, is containing uh, the second wave well if other countries can follow suit. So that's, I believe, where the jury is out and some uncertainty comes in. And you may have seen our outlook for 21, which is sort of cautious, first and foremost, due to the fact that uh, the second wave of COVID-19 could uh, actually, you know, uh, pose some risk in terms of uh, demand. Um, On the other hand, I have to say that um, if I look at the numbers and also in, you know, the first month now in October, China is just, you know, just going and going and going. In the, in the fourth quarter, we had, uh, we had our, our, uh, our orders up 22% in China and revenues were up 12% year over year. 
And even sequentially, uh, we've been growing from the third to the fourth fiscal quarter. And as I said, the dynamics is still intact. So that means, obviously, that we have yet another situation where China seems to help the world economy to, you know, not to ground as it did uh, 10 years or 12 years ago at the financial crisis. So there is, uh, there are bright spots, uh, I believe. And if you look at the United States, uh, and assuming that the dust uh, settles uh, anytime soon on the political side, there is a two trillion infrastructure program. And I mean, infrastructure, that's, this is where we are home, right? It's uh, smart infrastructure, it's digital industries, healthcare, uh, building technologies, mobility, which may play a major role in the new campaign. Fascinating conversation, Annette, uh, you were having there with uh, Joe Kayser. And, and interesting, when you talked about where the opportunities are, he referenced China and he talked about this uh, carrot of the infrastructure spend in the United States. Did he have anything positive to say about Europe? No, actually, he didn't uh, talk a lot about uh, uh, Europe and any positive or positivity here. And, um, but I guess what a net positive would also be is uh, the climate deal in Europe, because clearly Siemens will also cater to make things more efficient uh, here on the continent. So I guess this is also a net positive in general, more infrastructure spending, more spending to make things more automated, but also more efficient is um, driving profits at Siemens. So if you look through the different subunits, like digital industries was doing especially well, given, of course, the trend towards more digitization everywhere. Uh, there was some weakness in mobility. They were also saying that the car industry, for example, is not recovering as fast as um, they would have expected. Um, and smart infrastructure is also not doing great, but is, uh, is improving. And they are also hopeful that this trend will continue next year. But of course, um, everything depends on how the virus situation is going to develop. And I, of course, had to ask him as well, whether he thinks that the new vaccine is now a really game changer also for their outlook. Take a listen of what he had to say. The jury is out. Obviously, you know, the uncertainty with the pandemic is big and the market doesn't like uncertainty, as we all know, uh, nor do we. So therefore, I believe, you know, the, the, the earlier we have the vaccine and uh, earlier we have some, let's say, some prescription which can cover the heart cases, I believe that there is a massive, a massive amount uh, of opportunities which, you know, have just not been accessed uh, by, the, by, by the time now. And so I believe um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. The question is how long it's going to take till we are there. As you were pointing out earlier, Jeff, it's the last time that Joe Kayser was presenting the numbers at, in his role as CEO of Siemens. And I, in another part of that interview, also asked him what his biggest achievements are, in his opinion. And he said that he has actually realized his idea of making Siemens ready for the biggest industrial transformation which ever has happened in his word, which he means, uh, which he means is the um, industry 4.0. And he seems to be very content that Siemens is now clearly structured in those fleet, in that fleet structure, and that the rest of Siemens is independent now from uh, the, the, the conglomerate. With that, back to you.
Annette, thank you very much. Uh, while you've been talking, I've been taking a look at another German company. Uh, Deutsche Telekom numbers have been crossing for the third quarter. It's a beat on the EBITDA line, the revenue line, also the guidance has been lifted today. So very strong numbers crossing from the telecommunications uh, company. It uh, has gone on to say uh, that uh, its 2020 guidance for EBITDA after leases has uh, now uh, been lifted to 35 billion euros. The revenue line that is up 31.9% to 26.4 billion euros. Uh, keep in mind that uh, the uh, expected increase was about 25.8 billion so exceeding on that line the adjusted EBITDA that is up uh, fairly strong 49.6 percent the company also making some positive comments on the integration of uh, T-Mobile and Sprint saying T-Mobile integration of Sprint is ahead of plan this was that 23 billion dollar takeover of Sprint that closed on the 1st of April and uh, we're seeing this already in the uh, very strong numbers consolidation moves towards uh, the use of more telecommunications platforms for businesses and mm. people during these lockdown trends. So strong numbers crossing. Today. Yeah, and, and what surprised me, I'm just having a look at the chart here, even though you are underwater on a one-year view, mm. it's got a 4% dividend yield. That's pretty attractive in this environment, I would have said. Right, you know, as we talk about uh, challenge payouts to shareholders. So mm. certainly one uh, for those looking for the yielders out there, Steve. Yeah, let's build in a big chat on that a bit later on if our producers are listening to me um, for once. Uh, because I think this rotation trade is quite extraordinary. And I think I know we've all got some very strong views on it. Look, let's stay with corporate Germany. I know we're going to look at Billfinger in a little while, but I'm looking at Merck Argay, the group run by uh, Stefan Oschmann as well. Of course, uh, Merck Argay is the German one, not the Merck, the US one as well. Uh, and again, share price performance, um, Karen and Jeff, has been quite extraordinary off the lows. The lows we hit, like a lot of companies, back in early March. And we're talking an 80 handle in terms of euros. Now 131 spot 80, the high hit in recent days at 140. But very interesting to see the mixture of this business. So group net sales increase organically by 7.2% EBITDA up 19.8% organically. So that's very important, excluding uh, the release of the provision for patent dispute with Biogen as well. (coughs) The life science business is a great catalyst there, organically growing by 15.6% thanks to the process solutions business. Um, Elsewhere, talking about organic growth of EBITDA uh, over the previous year, excluding provisions released between 6 and 8% expected as well. Now, just looking at the outlook on this company, very interesting. They're saying in connection with the global outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, It's confirming the assumptions made in the quarterly statement 31st, the half-year statement of June 30th. That sounds assuring, but but they do say in contrast to the previous forecast given in the half-yearly financial report in June, they now anticipate, and I think this is negative, a stronger negative impact of two to three, a negative two to three percent uh, owing to the latest developments. Now, I don't think that's a double negative. I think that is basically them saying two to three percent worse than their previous estimates. But they're saying a stronger negative of negative two to negative three percent. And in my English, that would make a double, ne- double negative. But I think that means it is negative rather than positive, if you see what I mean. Uh, they've raised their forecast for earnings per share pre um, and now expects this in a range of between six and a half and six. 80 euros per share. 
Karen and Jeff. Karen, over to you. Steve, I want to just move on to some of the market action we witnessed yesterday. Uh, take a look at the boards. This was almost uh, the opposite from what's been playing out in recent sessions. We've been talking about this rotation away from technology and healthcare stocks into other areas that have remained beaten up on the back of uh, the economic hit we've had from COVID. But markets yesterday just undoing some of those trends and rotating back to technology. You could see the outsized performance by the NASDAQ, a bounce of 2%. So just a dose of reality, and we were pointing to that in the show yesterday, the stampede into one area of the market, this beaten up, uh, unloved area of the markets, whether it was sustainable at this pace, uh, given what we're still seeing, the level of uncertainty around vaccines, even though we've had some good news so far, we're waiting for further news on safety and the uh, exact rollout plan of some of these vaccines. Uh, on top of that, uh, we're just hearing from Moderna that it is preparing to submit data on its experimental vaccine to an independent safety board. So that is the latest on the vaccine news. But in the meantime, as we continue to see COVID cases grow, there has been some caution, which has propelled that money back into what has been a genuine and safe haven trade for a lot of investors, uh, guaranteed revenue growth uh, that uh, the technology sector has witnessed and the increased market shares that it has benefited from. So we saw the gains there. And uh, would you believe uh, Apple, the most positive stock for the S&P and NASDAQ, uh, showing you again the might of the Cupertino company. But it was Boeing, one of the big movers earlier in the week. That was the most negative stock for the likes of the Dow. In terms of those U.S. tech names, uh, take a closer look and you can see some of that action, 3% on Apple stock. And don't forget, we've had new news around some of the hardware this week for Apple. Microsoft hit early in the week from some of that uh, rotation trade, now bouncing firmer by 2.6%. And if you take a look at the, the social media platforms, there's still appetite for those two. Facebook, Twitter, also in the green. Amazon having a strong trade as well. And uh, don't forget, we were mentioning some of the concerns around antitrust. That knocked Amazon along with the rotation. But back in the green, a very strong uh, trade of 3.3%, Steve. Look, we've, we've looked at Merck, we've looked at Siemens, we've looked at Deutsche Telekom. Let's carry on with the, the German corporate thematic as well, because it is the heartbeat uh, of the Eurozone economy, isn't it? We're going to have a look at Bill Finger after the break, which is the German Industrial Services Group. Tom Blades is the CEO. We're going to be speaking to him. Uh, and has it taken some of the pressure off, the hopes of an end uh, of COVID-19 concerns and the start of just getting back to normality next year? Or are problems still very prevalent? We'll discuss with Tom Blades, the CEO of Bill Finger, uh, after the break on Scorebox. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. great day today because we get to look at a lot of individual corporates and see what's really going on rather than what the market thinks it's telling us that it thinks is going on. And Bill Finger's third quarter numbers are a case in point as well. Recovery gaining pace, strong EBITDA and cash flow developments, fully guidance affirmed. Despite that, though, there are revenue issues looking backwards, uh, down 18% organically at the revenue, 870 million euros. Most European entities with sequentially increasing revenues, though. So look, why don't we get straight uh, to the who knows more about this company than I ever will. And that's Tom Blades, who is the CEO of Billfinger. Uh, and Tom, a real pleasure to um, speak to you and just learn from you today as well. Look, looking backwards, it's been horrendous. Looking forwards, are you seeing signs of hope, sir? 
Hi, Steve. Good morning. Um, yes, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. Sequential revenue is up. Uh, we've been able to take out uh, you know, excess capacity, which means that uh, our margin are now back in line with where they were last year. SG&A is at an all-time low. Uh, we've been very diligent on working capital management. team has done a great job there, so cash flow is good. The balance sheet is strong, and I think uh, you know, going forward, we're ready to continue what we're doing right now. Um, I think audits you know, are also developing, so we do expect the top line to continue momentum, although it'll still be, uh, I think, 2022 before we're back to 2019 levels. In terms of the stimulus that we think is coming through at a pan-European level, possibly an individual country level as well, and with corporates feeling they can spend more money again in key sectors such as potentially oil and gas as well, do you feel you have the right portfolio of assets to maximise your benefits from a recovery, Tom? I think we do. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we've seen a, you know, a strong drop in oil and gas. Uh, it is recovering. It's not as bad or we're not as pessimistic as we were at the end of uh, Q1 going into Q2. Uh, you know, where I see around the world, you know, the Middle East, oil and gas is uh, kind of uh, waiting to see what happens on the UK side, Norwegian side, it's down and the uh, jury is out in the US. But in terms of our portfolio, we have enough mix with energy utilities, in particular around nuclear, the famous Sinkley Point example. We have uh, a good chemicals business, a good petrochemicals business. So I think our portfolio is well balanced. And if you look at the overall picture, we are actually de-emphasizing oil and gas. Uh, Tom, uh, your stock has had some market moves on the back of uh, this vaccine move that we've seen across the board where investors have gone back after stocks that they previously had left behind. What was the feeling there in the C-suite as some of this news was hitting that, the headlines? Did it make any difference to the way you're viewing the outlook for 2021? Um, it's, of course, exciting news, but no, it hasn't changed our outlook. Uh, if I look at our own numbers, you know, we do have uh, a little over 200 people currently um, you're confirmed to have COVID. We have about 600 people who are actually uh, away from the office, so they're at home in quarantine or waiting on results. Uh, we do expect that to kind of uh, decrease, of course, uh, next year, but uh, the vaccine hasn't yet figured into our numbers. What we saw as a feature of the course of this year was uh, some of the volatility in the oil price impacting the numbers. But since then, we've been a little bit more stable and we've lifted to a slightly higher range on some of this vaccine news. Are you hopeful now that we've seen the worst of that oil volatility behind us? I think um, you know, no one can predict the oil price. Uh, you know, many things happen. I've been in oil and gas for over 40 years. Uh, I've seen cycles come and go. Um, this one, like every other one, is a little bit different to the one before, but it will pass and I think it will recover. The good news is that even at today's oil price, you know, 40 plus, um, you know, in the North Sea, the operators are cash flow positive. In the Middle East, uh, easily cash flow positive. And therefore, you know, we're not seeing any misbehaving on the customer side. They're keeping to their uh, commitments. They're not squeezing us for pricing. It is a volume issue, but not a pricing issue right now. Uh, Tom, can I just address the um, this apparent interest from private equity in the business? Can you tell us, um, is there anything in any of this speculation about a take private move from private equity? Yeah, I think it's no surprise that you know, when our share price dropped uh, going into COVID, um, you know, we were a very interesting uh, company to look at. Uh, throughout, we haven't uh, moved away from our 2024 aspirations. And of course, you know, private equity companies, uh, they look for these kind of opportunities. In the last months, you know, I've had uh, loose conversations with a number of uh, companies, you know, 
Uh, we share public domain information. It's part of my job as the CEO to try to uh, drive shareholder value. But uh, you know, other than that, yeah, I think it's uh, not surprising. Many companies are in the same position. The share price, as you point out, has um, has been uh, stubbornly refusing to get back to its start of year position. Um, I think you're talking a good story this morning. What do you think it takes to get investors and the market to reassess the value of the business? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it's performance. As always, you know, deliver on your commitments. Uh, we're very boring. We always deliver on our commitments. Uh, we will make our guidance this year as well. Uh, we will issue our 21 guidance in uh, February. So I think that's really the uh, the proof of the pudding. But also, I think investors are looking at stocks where you know they feel they have more affinity to, where they feel they know what's going on. You know, the Amazons. You know, the Apples. Our industry, uh, it's more an industry where you have to understand what's going on to be able to appreciate the value in a share like uh, Bilping is. Tom, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Though We do appreciate you giving us uh, a very good um, a view of what's going on in the uh, German corporate scene and, and more glo- globally and uh, how we're going to recover from COVID. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.